0: Hello everyone and welcome back, my name's Steve Walker, I'm a Scottish wild camper and adventurer, travelling to remote parts of Scotland, finding the ultimate camping spots while chasing sunsets and sunrises, also talking about gear, tents, food and a whole lot more. So follow me on my podcasts as I take you, camping on the wild side. So yes, hello folks and welcome back to my podcast. So for those who just haven't listened to me before or this is your first time or whatever, basically I run a YouTube channel called Camping on the Wild Side. And for every camp I do, make the video I put on YouTube. This podcast is a spin-off from the YouTube videos. So this goes in more detail, greater detail of what I did and the ins and outs, and the build-up to the wild camp. So if you've got YouTube, you can go back, and you can um, subscribe to the channel if you want, I'll tell you more details later. And you can see the video, and you can listen to the podcast, and you can get a bit of a rough idea of what we do. So yes, thank you very much for joining us, I appreciate it all. And if you're a turning visitor, thank you very much again, glad to have you. Back on board. So, where did this start? This adventure started when my daughter Charlie asked if I fancy going wild camping,
1: just out of the blue. And I laughed and I thought, stupid question. How could I turn down such an opportunity to go away wild camping? I
0: jumped at the chance and my brain sprung into action immediately. I didn't even check my diary, I didn't even check to see if there was anything on.
1: Or if anything was planned, I was just so excited to go. And that's how I always am. Love getting away. So Charlie had a few days off work and during the week. And so we were able to sort out a few days off to make a start.
0: Now came the bit, where to go. I left it up to Charlie because she
1: wanted to go away. So I thought, well, you can choose. And then she left it up to me. So I nobody chose. So it came
0: to this awkward silence. And me being the dad had to make the first decision. So I sat on it for a couple of days and came up with a plan,
1: as usual. The plan was to do a Bothy camp. And because this was a, the first Bothy we'd done
0: in a few years, the last one was on the West Highland Way, which was great, it was a
1: great adventure. I thought it would be a great idea to do a couple of bothy stops. And just while
0: we had a couple of days off, we would sort out two stops to do to make the most of the time.
1: Even better, because this was January, it was not the best weather to do wild camping, even though I'd done a wild camp in
0: December and in January already. But the forecast wasn't looking great so windy, wet, snow cold, minus temperatures. So that was probably the best plan. Charlie didn't take much convincing when I put it to her so it was a great idea.
1: And of course, I always come up with good ideas. Sorted then. Next came what bothies to visit. All important bothies.
0: So because Charlie had only a couple of days off during the week. We didn't want to start travelling for hours and hours and hours. So I resorted to a collection of books I have. And I picked one out. One of my favourites is
1: The Scottish Bothy Bible by Jeff Allen. Just a great book. And this book gives
0: you a detailed description of a guide, and a guide, of how to reach... I think there's roughly 99 bothies that he talks about. How to visit these bothies and the best path in and they're all based in Scotland. Very helpful and a very detailed great book so if you're looking for that. There were so many bothies to actually choose from that it was just um, a bit of a headache trying to look. But we eventually came up with some
1: and our first adventure bothy was... Gorton, G O R T O N, Gorton
0: Bothy, is located just three miles north of the Bridge of Orke On a small track on your right-hand side, leading to a purpose-made car park, posted, the wee farm there
1: is a Calder, and from there, it's probably about a five-mile walk to the Bothy. But first.
0: We had to sort out our food supplies, clothing, camera equipment, and also to sort out our fire supplies. This was pretty important actually, um due to the remoteness of the bothy, and having no woodlands, etc nearby, there was not any means for sourcing materials for the fire. So thankfully, going with this book it actually tells you that to bring your own fire equipment. Um, So that's what we needed to bring. Coal, logs, kindling, paper, fire lighters, all that sort of stuff that you would need to have your fire. So we were going to have to actually carry this ourselves. So I had a little rucksack that I do use for other things. So this was going to be our little bag for carrying our fire equipment. This would keep us going enough for the night. So there was only so much that we were able to carry, and as long as it gave us a warm and cosy stay, well, that was half the battle. It's more important. With the fire sorted, and now to sort out our food and cooking equipment. I mean, I must just say that
1: um, our, that what we brought was coal, um, kindling, some fire lighters, Bits and pieces like that all to go for a good fire through the night. So, staying
0: in the bothe allowed us to have more room to carry some luxuries in our rucksacks because we
1: had no tent. And this allowed us to carry more food, drink, all the sort of little bits that you'd
0: have to cut back on a little bit. So, some of our luxuries were like not just food, but candles and warm clothing, some bottles of beer. And some extra nipples that you wouldn't carry with you. So Charlie was in charge of the puddings. And I left that in her hands. And I was unaware of what she was bringing. And I was excited to find out. So our shopping list consisted of rice and smoked sausage. Plenty of teas and coffees. Chocolates. Some sweets. Snacks. Packets of soup. Nuts. Just all the nibbly things as well that you could pick at during the night and day and night. So as well as bringing all our warm clothing, jackets, waterproofs, all the usual stuff, gloves, sleeping bags and sleeping mats, we also had to bring pots and stoves, water containers and all-important hot water bottles. These were just a luxury that we needed to have. I actually do bring them. Bring the hot water bottle on most camps now, and this would be well needed. So with my rucksack packed, and as Charlie stays on the other side of Scotland, I actually went through to stay with her that night. This allowed us to get an early start in the morning,
1: to make that little bit easier in getting away and setting off a lot earlier than we should. Morning time. So, my alarm went off at six o'clock. So, I was up, showered, and
0: actually got my breakfast made for me that morning. Scrambled eggs on toast with coffee. <laughs> went down well. So, after a few cups of coffee, um, we started to pack the car. And it was still pretty dark at that time. And we left probably about eight o'clock ish, which was still not pitch dark, but grey. And we hit the Edinburgh
1: traffic, which was pretty horrific, as always. So after a wee while, or I should say a while, we managed
0: to finally escape this gridlock traffic on the bypass. And it was a relatively good drive. Very scenic, going all the way up through Callander, and onwards to Crianlarg. We stopped at the well-known Green Welly Boot shop for a coffee and a little bite to eat. We stopped there for probably half an hour, 10 hour. It was a good little break. So continuing on our travels, um after our coffee, it wasn't long before we hit the Bridge of Orkney. We pulled into the car park just off the main road. As I said, 3 miles past Bridge of Orkney on the right-hand side, there's a
1: little car park and we switched the engine off. Took a big breath. And just sat at that point and looked at each other and thought, this is it. We're finally here. And it was a great feeling to be at the start point. After a two minute break, we looked around in the weather. The hilltops were covered in snow. There was no snow on the bottom, on the roundabout us. And the weather was pretty grey. Cloudy and a little bit of a breeze, so we started to take the kit out of the car,
0: and it was we were actually pretty excited we were just a couple of school kids, that kind of thing,
1: but that didn't last long. I somehow managed to misplace my boots out of
0: all things to forget I couldn't believe it, and I was actually. Livid with myself, what had happened to my boots. So, this went on for a while, trying to get hold of people where to find out what had happened. I was hunting my bag, hunting the boot, hunting the under the seats, figuring out what I'd done with them. So after I calmed down, and got over the sarcastic comments and remarks from Charlie, we both seen the funny side of it. And a little bit of humour. So I've heard in the past, people forgetting things. And you often wonder to yourself, how do they manage to forget them? How do you manage to forget something silly? Or
1: not silly. So, such a vital piece of equipment. Such as boots. I have no idea. Luckily,
0: and this I mean luckily, I was actually wearing a pair of walking shoes. They were Merrells, Merrell walking shoes, and that's what they're designed for. So I I was driving with them on the way up. This was my only option, other than or a pair of trainers, and I don't think the trainers would have done, even ten feet on the path. So I had nothing else. So the walking shoes were just what I had. The terrain was actually relatively good. It was a stony path that led all the way. Uneven in some points and some water and river crossings, but relatively good. So with our rucksacks packed and up on our backs, myself and Charlie and her dog Harris all set off on this exciting walking adventure to Gorton Bothy. I, don't, I didn't even mention that Charlie brought her dog. Charlie's dog at the border collie is Harris He's a great lad and he kept us company all the way. Comes out camping with us a few times. So passing through Achalder Farm, which is the uh, which is a small um, farming community area with a few small little cottages and buildings scattered around. We followed the track with the dog on his lead, obviously, as you do. Um, the weather was staying pretty good for us. A couple of snow showers at the start but soon passed and it was actually good walking weather the path was actually pretty decent um until the river crossing um in which we had to cross as there was no bridge and i had walking shoes on i had my gaiters but i had walking shoes on so there was no bridge and we were pacing up and down trying to scour the narrowest point to cross this river. We did find a little bit of a section that you could kind of step in stone through raised bits of stone and I still got my feet wet. So I can't go on any further without mentioning the scenery on the walk up. It was absolutely amazing. It was it was just breathtaking again and I'm sure that every walk that I go on, different scenery it's just spectacular and you're just blown away by with how nature creates all these hills and mountain tops so it was actually such a, a very scenic walk in and it was a, a very pleasant the, the most of the walk we did was actually on a an old railway line uh, the remnants of a railway line the new railway line had been built further over so the railway track was a good good few hundred yards over the other side which would score which would have taken, which trains were going north the path to gorton bothy seemed to go on forever we were walking i think we were because we were filming as well it took ages and it was going on and on and on round bends round dips down hills up hills it was constantly going on
1: and eventually we came round the corner and we caught sight of the roof of Gorton Bothy. It was about 100 yards ahead of us and
0: I'm trying to explain this feeling that you get inside inside your heart, inside your body, inside your head when you've been walking for five miles and you're probably feeling a little bit weary at that point and this building that you're going to stay on that your your final destination here comes into sight it's that excitement that this is it it's that that excitement inside you for reaching it and i can only say from experience it's actually an incredible feeling when you get when that bothy
1: comes into sight it's a rush of relief followed by anticipation thinking that there's potentially other people in this bothy then You want to know what they're like. Will they speak? Are they young?
0: Are they old? Are they foreign? Are they males? Are they females? All this sort of goes through your head because it's an exciting rush that that you're wondering, your mind's playing games on you what's going to happen in this bothy. All these questions start running through your head. And I think it's not just me. I think most people actually try and picture what's going to be on in that bothy so we had never spoke at this point, me and Charlie and we both had that same feeling I wonder who's in I wonder if they've got the fire on I wonder if they've got you know, food there on the go or there's a heat that kind of thing anyway as we walked up to the bothy we couldn't see any smoke coming from the chimney
1: which was a slight chance That the fire wasn't on and nobody was in. As we neared closer to the Bothy,
0: we peered in through the small windows and it was clear to see
1: nobody was in. Then you have that actual rush again, that your feelings change in a different
0: direction to say there is nobody in this Bothy, we have it all to ourself. And it turns into a bit of a sense of relief because then you don't have to worry about explaining yourself or worrying about where you're going to sleep and getting in anybody's way. You go in and you make it your own. So that was the sense of relief. And we did have it all to ourselves. But on the other hand, it actually meant that
1: we didn't have that welcome feeling from people. When you go to a bothy, normally people have a good chat with you
0: when you come through the door because it's two different strangers meeting in this remote cottage and they just want to know about you and you want to know about them. So we didn't experience that at that point. So we dropped the rucksacks outside and after a good stretch, we had
1: a peek inside. It was a lovely little bothy and... It had two rooms. One was the main room with the
0: fireplace, which was clean and tidy, and it was actually quite a big room. The other room was a similar size, but it didn't have a fireplace. It just had a table. So once we'd given it a walk through and it seen how it was, we went outside to admire the views and it looked back on part of the five miles of stone track we had walked which was quite impressive. It was a great place. The scenery was absolutely amazing up there.
1: Nothing, nothing, bar hills and mountains. It was a great feeling reaching the Bothy. And now
0: it was probably about late afternoon, so we actually decided to get everything set up. The clouds were clearing, which made it look promising for a very starry night. The weather at this point was actually cooling down, so it was a good plan to get the fire on and get some good
1: housekeeping in order, like let's get some food on and get some water filled up from the burn
0: and get the water boiled and get a couple of cups of tea to heat us up. Charlie took control of the fire, as she always does, and managed to get it fairly warm in the room in such a short time. The main room consisted of um, a wooden floor, a table and some chairs. Pretty basic, but that's kind of all you need.
1: So we would be sleeping on the wooden floor, on a roll mats of course, next to the fire. Just sounds brilliant.
0: Sitting in this newly lit fire with hot drinks was perfect. We still had the thought about people coming in, hill coming in, and they could arrive at any time so the Bothy would be warm from the fire for whoever turns up. So after putting dinner on, which consisted of the spicy rice and smoked sausage, which kind of is a bit of a trademark for us, it's, it's kind of something simple to take. So I had spicy rice and smoked sausage, which went, which went down well, followed by Charlie's custard, and mandarin oranges, which was was really good. We still had plenty of snacks and hot drinks to hand to keep us going through the night if we were peckish. We had also brought a good amount of candles with us, and they were well needed. It was actually such a dark bothy inside, even though it was a little bit, even though it was lighter outside, the smaller windows actually made it quite dark inside. So we got some candles lit, and along with the fire, created a, a very,
1: a very warm, welcoming bothy, and it was a nice heat, a lovely glow, we should say.
0: We spent a few hours having a nice chat while Harris was laying by the fire, as all dogs should do, celebrating with a bottle of beer, Charlie's new job, and she brought out some gin. And it was a great evening. Darkness was finally arriving. And it was time to put our
1: photographic skills to to the test. My camera skills during the day are pretty good, I must admit. But I must say that my night skills with my camera,
0: I just can't do it. I don't have the knowledge of my camera.
1: Um, There's too many buttons and settings. So I couldn't keep up. Charlie, on the other hand, is a way better photographer all round. Don't tell her that though. Um, she'll just get big-headed. She's, she is a way better photographer
0: with her camera and she knows all the settings inside and out for nighttime shooting and most of all, she actually has more patience than I do. Charlie had taken some amazing photos of the stars and even got some great ones of me standing under the Milky Way. The big galaxy of stars with my arms open, welcoming them. It was just such a fantastic setting Um, all these stars, not a cloud in the sky,
1: and just seeing everything that was what our galaxy and world can see. So after a while we
0: actually retreated back inside for some warm drinks and stoked up the fire again. It was very dark and the sound of distant trains heading north on the tracks could be heard. We retired to bed and with a hot drink and a hot water bottle to
1: keep us warm and Harris settled down beside Charlie. Morning time. In the morning, I woke up about six o'clock, which is probably usually my
0: normal body clock alarm. I didn't have the best sleep, I have to be honest. Um, I did toss and turn and hearing all sorts of creaks and noises, which are amplified in your head, making you think all sorts. It was probably just a mouse or something under the floorboards. Say something. It was, I hope it was a mouse under the floorboards. It was still very dark outside, so Charlie managed to get the fire going again, and I must say she kept us warm,
1: which kept us warm most of the night. It was a great feeling having it on in the morning, which took the chill out the air. Candles were lit again, so we could actually see. I put
0: some hot water on the boil for a cup of tea to help wake us up properly and get
1: that heat into us. Having a cup of tea beside an open fire is one of life's must-dos. Breakfast
0: with a cup of tea was perfect, and soon we started to pack up our things and get our rucksacks all sorted. We packed away the rubbish and finally gave the both a good clean-out with a brush, bringing it all back to life again as we found it. We did have some spare candles and some extra fire lighters which we didn't use during the, the, the night which we left at the side of the fireplace just in case anybody else was for somebody else to use. So this is what we do. We can help themselves. As a kind gesture as well. I have done this in another podcast so you can check that out. It's a bothy box which we left on the table. So if you don't know what a Bothy Box is, you can actually just check out that podcast. I tell you in detail what it's all about. So it's a, it's a wee idea myself and Charlie thought of that we would do. So we left the Bothy Box on the table. We were all packed up, Bothy was cleaned out, and we were ready to head back to the, f- the five miles of stone track to the car. This time, passing through huge herds of red deer scattered all over the hill, it was just a great sight, it was a nice thing to see
1: and it made a good talking point for our walk back, my footwear had done well, I must say, it wasn't the worst and eventually we gained a mobile signal and a message came through to Charlie
0: saying that my boots were actually left in the house. I think it was my taking the stuff out the house in the dark that had missed them lying at the side somewhere. So all was not lost, at least they were there.
1: So after a big, long couple of hours, we got back to the car. And again, that is just a good welcome sight. Our adventure had ended here,
0: for now but we still had a new adventure to start again. To find out where our next adventure takes us, you can find out on the YouTube channel or coming soon on this podcast. You can follow all my adventures on Facebook, Camping at the WildSide or Instagram, Camping on the Wild Side Scotland, and YouTube, Camping on the WildSide. So I'd just like to say thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and took something away from it. It's been great to talk about my adventures along with Charlie, who came along with me. And she was great support, great fun, and it was enjoyable having her there. You've been listening to a podcast from Camping on the Wild Side. Until next time, stay safe, enjoy the outdoors, whatever you do. All the best. Cheers for now.